0: Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode 33. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, where we are building profitable food businesses, one product, one process, one thought at a time. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle fannin Hello, everybody, and boy, do I have a treat for you today. Today, we are starting the first of a two-parter series and actually a first in the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast. I am doing an interview, and you are gonna hear this interview over the course of this week and next week. So, episodes 33 and 34, and this interview is with one of the most amazing men I know, my brother. And we recorded this when my brother came up for the weekend. I'm blessed enough to live pretty close to my brother, and it's amazing. And I was doing this topic, and our topic is 5S, okay? And this is the launching pad, this launched, I suppose, from uh, the Lean podcast, which was episode 22 and was one of my like most downloaded podcasts, I think. <laughs> and uh, so you're going to want to go back and listen to the lean, uh, the lean episode. So, you know, lean manufacturing in, in food And 5S is really the basis uh, for being able to implement food. And you got to 5S your factory first. So, of course, I promise if you stick around for this episode, we're going to have a really good freebie at the end. And then I really want you to listen to next episode because I have another really big announcement at the end of episode 34. So with that, let's jump in to this first half of the interview, and then I will see you on the other side. Uh Alrighty, hello, my fellow foodpreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us. And we have a huge treat for you today on the podcast because I have my brother here. Now, I know none of you know who my brother is, and that is to your detriment because my brother is an amazing guy. And I don't know what you guys talk about around the kitchen table, but when my brother and I get together, we um, might talk about lean manufacturing because we're just that much fun. (laughs) (laughs) And so I uh, recorded a lean manufacturing podcast. I think it's episode 22. And Charlie, my brother, came uh, and said, Michelle, that was such a great podcast. And I had the brilliant idea that he and I would actually do a deeper dive into lean manufacturing. And so with that, let me introduce my brother. So I have on the podcast here with me today, Mr. Charles the III. And Charlie, my brother, is one amazing uh, in many, many respects. He's, he's an amazing dad of three, and he's an amazing husband. He got his undergraduate degree in performance of the baritone, Horn.
1: The, the possibly most <laughs> practically useless degree I could find, but fun. A lot
0: of fun. Well, at least you didn't train as a monkey veterinarian. (laughs) 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 He then went to work in manufacturing at uh, a plant in New Fairfield, Connecticut, called Druck. And Druck got butt out by GE. And then GE moved my darling brother deep into the heart of Texas, where I was afraid I was going to lose him forever. And I did not, thank heavens. But... My brother, while uh, in Texas, took the opportunity to go get his MBA from Rice University with a concentration in supply chain management, right?
1: Uh, More finance, but but I ended up staying in supply chain because I was good at that.
0: Right, right. And so Charlie and I really have lots of conversations about people like Edward Deming and Peter Drucker and... (laughs) And, and, and those sorts of things because, you know, we both work in, in, in manufacturing, oddly enough, because our dad didn't work in manufacturing or, 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 and our mom worked in insurance. And so, you know, we and we both came into manufacturing because it's a place where we can both really bring our talents. And one of the things that my brother is just amazingly talented at is seeing the systems that make manufacturing better. I mean, specifically around supply chain and supply chain management, but he's has a depth and breadth of knowledge of manufacturing that few people can really rival. And it's always so much fun to have a conversation with him. And so on the podcast, I wanted you guys to benefit from the conversations that we have around our kitchen table when Charlie and I get to get, uh, be together. And so with that, we're going to start the interview. I do want to tell you between the two of us, we have six kids. And so we're keeping it real folks. Uh, So if we have small children come and interrupt us, we're just going to go with it because that's life (laughs) in our lives right now. I think what, what do we have a total of six children under 11? Yep. Yeah, so that's, you know, my, my mother is a very lucky person. So anyway, so with that, Charlie, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. I don't know if you want to start with anything, but...
1: Thank you for inviting me. Um, no, I think uh, my, my experience is I, I've, I've worked uh, for GE. I worked for GE for, uh, between Druck and GE, 19 years uh g g built a culture uh around lean manufacturing so i've done um i don't have a green belt but i did the green belt training and took the test um and i've been i've had a number of different roles in supply chain i've been a planner and master scheduler now for gosh nine years so I think I've got a pretty deep understanding of, especially transactional lean, how you can apply lean in transactional paper or computer-based processes. Uh, but also uh, working in purchasing and planning, you have to know how the manufacturing floor works and how you can support them. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, I that's been what I that's been my experience. Um, you know, a lot of lean training, a lot of practical application of lean uh, in production. And uh, you know, uh, it's, it's all about continuous improvement, just uh, trying to find what's the next thing you're going to work on to improve. Uh,
0: so in terms of, you know, I wanna ask you a question about how you would define a lean culture. And what that means to you, both in a sort of a broader, you know, forest sense and then yep. in an everyday sense. What does it mean yep. to have a lean culture? <laughs> so
1: I think having a lean culture uh, first involves training. Um, it, lean is is a set of tools uh, that have to be taught. Nobody comes into the professional world knowing lean. So, um so it begins with culture. It begins with a commitment from leadership that you're going to be lean. And there's there's, it's not something that you can just hire a consultant to come in for three weeks and they will, um, you know, transform your factory, go away in a puff of magic smoke, and you're lean. It um it involves commitment from leadership. It involves uh, training everybody. In the organization, I really believe that, Um, you know, even at GE, which had a very strong lean culture, it was really the manufacturing and operations and all the all the organizations that were directly involved or directly supported manufacturing that that were really trained in lean, but other operations like that could have benefited from it, um, like human resources and finance. They were not trained in lean, and I and I always uh, saw that as an opportunity that G could have used. Because I would get into conversations with finance folks, and we really couldn't speak the same language. You know, I had a lot of difficulty telling them, for example, why uh, annual physical inventories actually created more inventory discrepancies than they fixed, <laughs> um, and and it's. And and I, I would talk with them about things like that and and you know it, it it was harder to talk to other organizations because they hadn't been trained in lean concepts so we didn't have a common vocabulary or a common understanding of waste and uh, what the ultimate goals of the organization were so um, so I think having a lean culture um, it's about investing in your people um, about bringing everybody to to use the same language using the same tools um it's one of the most important concepts of lean is the operators the people actually doing the work in manufacturing that's usually assembly and test and calibration Um, in food uh manufacturing it's about the people actually touching the food um and and creating the food they have to be brought in because they know what's happening. Managers don't really know what's happening to the to the degree of, of detail and and across time that operators do. They really, you know, the operators live it. The manufa- the, the managers can manage it. Um, so you have to bring your employees, you have to get them trained up, bring them um, bring them into your lean events because your best ideas are always going to come from your operators. Now, they'll be guided and coached by managers who have the time to go into more lean training. But um, it's, it's, it, it's crucial that everybody in the organization is trained and understands and is really aligned on the, on the same goal that we're going to be a lean, uh, lean operation, that, uh, we understand that lean is a journey. You're never just lean. You, um, you know, there's degrees of maturity in operations, but, um, the ultimate goal is perfection and you're never going to reach it. But you, you know, the, the continuous improvement or Kaizen is, is, Core to lean and and that just means we're we're going to continue always look for ways to improve things and we're always going to try new things and we're never going to let um, what we did yesterday be an argument for doing the same thing tomorrow um, you you always look for ways to improve your organization and um, so. Uh, doing that, rewarding people for coming up with the uh, these ideas, figuring out you know how to uh, you know make their changes visible. I've seen organizations uh, really put that to great effect. You know, um, you have a lean wall, and you and you put up their big wins, or you publish it in the company newsletter. Um, one of the one of the ways that um, lean has put uh, you know, really, truly, completely lean organizations have done it in Japan at, for example, Toyota is um, HR has the commitment that if you lean yourself out of a job, and ultimately, that can happen, right? Because you, you, you start with an organization that requires more people than it ultimately should need, because it's inefficient. If you lean yourself out of a job, HR has a commitment that they will find you another job, that's
0: either within easy. the
1: organization or outside the organization, and that's that's how HR, you know, really contributes to the lean culture, because there is a um, a natural um, a conflict of interest between or tension. yeah tension between the operators and management in that sense that you know why improve this process so much that I don't have something to do tomorrow.
0: I've literally heard that from yeah. clients.
1: Right. So I think the two answers are, the best answer is you, you really get HR involved and, um, and really have that commitment and you staff up HR to do that. And then uh, the other is if you really think you can grow your business, Lean gives you the opportunity to grow the size of the business without increasing your headcount because you get more efficient and you're able to produce more things with the same amount of people and i have seen that work sure
0: sure and you know it's interesting that we that we talk what you're talking about so i'm sure y'all have heard in 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 what charlie is saying the things that i tell you here on the podcast because we manufacture food for a living and yeah are there certain things that that you have to Worry about, yes, but I guarantee you in the stuff that my brother was manufacturing at GE, they had to do that right as well, or people died.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the products we were making, um, they, they contained pressure, and if they failed, would literally become bombs.
0: Right. And so it's not. So, you know, I think in food manufacturing, especially in local food manufacturing, we say we're not like the other people. We're not we're we're special. We're not like the other people. And and I have a precautionary tale about that, because when I was in the army and I was in Medcom, I heard we're not the real army all the time and that was to our detriment that was to the detriment of medcom which i think if you look at the at some of the things that happened while i was in the service <laughs> like what happened at walter reed in the in the in what was it 070809 us holding ourselves back from saying we're not part of the real army i think food holding itself back from the conversation about manufacturing is to our detriment. And I really feel like having been to where my brother works and to other manufacturing plants and things like that, um, we are at least a generation behind in this conversation in food in many instances.
1: Yeah, and I, and I would say um, the type of manufacturing that's done in food is, is uh, we would call process manufacturing. Um, and I say it's even more difficult than the kinds of things I do. The, the things I do, we're working with discrete widgets and sure Mm -hmm. um, most of the time you know we we know we use three screws and you know three washers and three bolts and one bracket and and um, you know we know we can produce a set number of pieces per hour or per minute Um, but uh, food manufacturing you're you're dealing with ounces and and grams and
0: and, and food of and, different size yes you can't you can't grow uniform tomatoes and in right. local food we don't want uniform tomatoes. Right. you know so our def, our definition of quality and of course quality means conformance to specification. Mm-hmm. but our definition of quality like a quality tomato for the salad that you're creating, those tomatoes may be very well different sizes right because you have a different set of specifications and uniformity of size is not one of them
1: right. Right, where it very much is in my world. <laughs>
0: right, ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think that this idea around continuous process improvement. Th- Alrighty, well, there you have it. That was the first section of information on 5S. And I'm so excited to be bringing all of this information to you because it is so important for foodpreneurs. And so if you are interested in creating a 5S program in your facility, which I highly, highly recommend, why don't you go to sfbdi.com episode 33 and download our free 5S handout so that you can understand how to go look around your space and 5s your space, and if you like all of the work that we do around here, I would urge you to join us in the power group. You know, we're covering facilities, and we're going to be doing a very deep dive on this uh, in June, coming up in uh, in a few weeks now, and we would love to see you in the power group. There's really nothing else like it out there for foodpreneurs and it is everything that you need to put the systems in place to grow and scale your business, whether you're starting out or you're taking it to 20 million. The power group is the way to manage your mind so you can create the time so you can create the money. And that's what we're all about here. We're all about wealth and community through local food. And the power group is the way to get there. So if you're interested in that, you know, for solopreneurs, it's a dollar for the first two weeks. And it's like amazing. Like, just come and check us out. Uh, And... Look at the templates. Like I give you all of my template documentation. You can watch all the videos from the meat and poultry hazard class that I'm teaching. I'm doing wealth creation in June. It's like the Netflix of food safety systems. There is something there for absolutely everybody. So you can go check that out at www.sfbdi.com/powergroup. Everybody have a super beautiful week and we will see you next week for part two on 5S.